Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. Got Dave Dufour. The only Mavericks podcast with Dave Dufour. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, Nobody's talking about that. I mean, it look, I think it's something we need to put that on a billboard, actually, if we're, if we're being honest here. It's the exclusive home of... Dave talking about the Mavericks. I don't even talk about the Mavericks on any other show. Why why do why would billboards ever like why do they actually work though? Because people are always just very upset on highways. I figure everybody's just texting and driving now, right? So like, you know, you really want you don't want billboards, you want an Instagram ad because everybody's just on their phone right. when they're driving. Exactly. Exactly. And if you do see the billboard, it's because you're stuck in traffic and you just have like these negative emotions just bleeding over to whatever. So if they see your face on a billboard driving 45 minutes down two miles of I-75 going home at 5.15 p.m., they're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to listen to 77 Minutes in Heaven. They're going to be like, I hate that man's face. My face triggering anger is nothing new. It's nothing new. Uh, (laughs) All right, look, this this turned into an episode of Seinfeld. Um, Can we talk about the Mavericks? You know whose face has triggered anger from the Mavs community this season? Dwight Powell's. Oh, Not me. Yeah. I'm just saying I've seen a lot of, I think, to some extent, unfair Dwight Powell slander on the uh, the Internet. But I think we're we're mostly talking about Christoph's things. Yeah, wow. I don't speak Latvian, but that was still an embarrassing effort. Um, we're talking about Christoph's Porzingis. We're talking about um, one versus two big lineups. And I think that's pretty much just going to be the episode. No, yeah. you you and me, Dave, like we're going to get 20 minutes out of this or something. We're going to have a nice little conversation. Well, I, I Why think are they still starting Dwight Powell? Well, I mean, oh, well, uh, mm, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, look, Dwight Powell's been, I don't know, mostly fine for a backup center. But right. you're starting him and you're awful. I mean, this starting lineup is just getting absolutely crushed, just destroyed. They were lucky to win this Nuggets game. I mean, you know, the their bench just went nuts, and Tim Hardaway had a had a great fourth. But you you just cannot lose the starter minutes the way that the Mavericks are, and, and I think that when you look at the success that they've had with their one big lineups this season, it just makes sense to go ahead and you know slide Powell out of the starting lineup, slide Porzingis over to the five where he's been better. Not just on offense, but on defense as well. I mean, the team is better when Porzingis is out there playing the five. He's more efficient when he's got shooters around him, in a sense. Uh, and I just, it seems so obvious, but the numbers back it up. You know, I'm, I'm on cleaning the glass, which filters out garbage time, which is fantastic. And, and when you look at the most used lineup, which is that starting lineup of Luca, Tim Hardaway, Dorian Finney-Smith, Porzingis, and, and Powell, they're minus 16.2 in, in point differential. I mean, they're just getting crushed. And then when you sub in Brunson for Porzingis, they're crushing. It's the opposite. And so a lot of people would look at that and say, wow, okay, well, Dwight Powell at center is totally fine. But all the other lineups with him as center are just not very good. And so I, I think that that is a little bit noisy. But it's obvious to me that this team is better playing you know, four round one. 
to be to be fair to the Mavericks and the coaching staff, they they are. It does seem clear they know this to some extent, right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I think you've like seen they're the shift. shifting more. The last yeah. three games where Porzingis, you know, he's been up around twenty-eight points a game. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that that there is a big shift that way. But I think it's time to just pull the bandaid off and go for it. And I don't know if you want to mess with your bench and put Brunson in the starting lineup. That that could actually throw off some of your your bench he chemistry. Started, he started when Porzingis was out, though. He did. He did, but I, I I do like him coming off the bench. But but maybe that is the move. Maybe it's just more Brunson. I mean, he's been fantastic this season, right? More Brunson probably wouldn't be a bad thing, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I mean, just trying to think of reasons why Powell would still be starting. I mean, I think it's, I think the it's a number of things of actually. <laughs> the 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 idea of vertical spacing. Yeah, it's not the vertical spacing. He's he's not he's not as dynamic there. I mean, well, he right. doesn't. Yeah, I would say here, and I wrote about this in a story I published Tuesday. Um, I think you can rationalize. I do think you can rationalize Dwight Powell continuing to start given the team's winning record, the concerns about Porzingis playing too many minutes at the five, Maxi Kleba's injury, and the understanding that Powell is starting in part due to his teammates wanting him to. So those are the four reasons I gave in the article I published Tuesday morning. We're recording this Tuesday later morning. And I think all four of those reasons come together collectively to make it defensible that, okay, if you're nine and four, you're not going to want to change things. Uh, They're still winning games this way. Uh, They lose through straight. If they lose both these Phoenix games and then the first Clippers won. uh, Yeah, it'd be pretty bad if they, if they don't change something headed into the second Clippers game. That that would be a situation where, oh, now the team's nine at seven, and this statistical trend that we've seen all season is still not one that's being addressed, and it literally didn't work against the same po- opponent you're about to play again. I could see it changing then. Um, I think if Maxi was healthy, it might have already changed. I think that there is a trust and a, a level of trust in Maxi and just a flexibility that he has that is important. I think that Porzingis can, you know, as much as I think that, yes, their best lineups are with him at the five, he can be a little foul heavy when he's guarding a a, a dominant offensive center. And he has to guard the centers because you don't want him guarding guards. You don't want him shifting down too far. Uh, you know, he did that against, um, he was guarding Josh Hart against the Pelicans. But yeah, you want him on big men. You know, you want him near the rim. He is... You know, if he's going to be a defensive uh, fulcrum for you, if he's just going to be a above average defensive player, he needs to be a shot blocker. And so you don't want him out on the perimeter and you want him near the rim. So you combine all those things together. I I do think that it's it's not absurd, given specifically given that I've seen the team make the correct shifts to smaller lineups when need be on Monday when they. When they beat Denver, they took the lead with a with a no big lineup to start the fourth quarter after kind of plodding through most of that game. So I would say that's the reason it's probably still happening. A combination of all those reasons, all those factors, all those influences. And I think it will change. And as much as I probably fall into the same camp as you, where I would change it next game, because to me, there is enough data and there is enough evidence. I... It's not one of those egregious decisions where I just look at this every single game and it just like 
makes me as mad as seeing your face on a billboard on I-75. <laughs> like it's different than that. It's just, it's, it's a decision that's being made for practical reasons rather than pragmatic ones. And I guess that's fine. And, and as long as they change it, when they, when it becomes glaringly, obviously it, it needs to change, then I can live with it for now. I, I think the record should not, should not inform this decision, right? Like that it, record's a little it bit. It does, of but I agree it shouldn't. Yeah. But I think it does. Yeah, yeah. The, they have a point differential of a much worse team. Minus, uh, they're minus nine on the year total. Yeah, and despite and, having nine and nine wins and four losses, yeah, and that's great. That's great luck to start the season. But you can't rely on that as as an indicator of your real success. Like you need to dig in a little bit. And again, I, I think they they have, and I think we are going to see a shift there. Although Luca's ankle issue, you know, depending on how long that, that hampers him could affect us. I, I mean, I could see them wanting to stay too big just to be a little bit slower to account for that. Maybe, I mean, you know, who knows what, what the coaching staff is thinking, cause they're still getting their feet under them as well. And I think that when you come in and you, you've got Dwight Powell, who theoretically is a, an adequate role man three years ago, uh, you know, it, it's, this makes a little bit of sense. And I think a coach's natural inclination is to play two big guys. And I think Porzingis is happy playing the floor and stretching the floor and shooting deep threes. But for this team to ultimately have big time success, by the time they get to the playoffs, they need to be playing their best basketball with Porzingis firmly at the five for the majority of the game. I mean, right now he's basically splitting his time. He's playing 53% of his minutes at the five and they are just way better across the board with him at center. And you're right. I mean, he does foul more at center because he's got a more active role in the defense, which is, again, a good thing for the Mavericks because their ceiling depends on him reaching that next level as a rim protector that we've seen out of him before. When their defense is actually playing at its best, it's been because Porzingis is protecting the basket and and deterring shots around the basket and forcing the, the kickouts and things like that. So, you know, I think that everyone has to see this the same way we are, Tim. Uh, I know it's a big talking point amongst you know the the Mavericks media, but the shift is happening. I, I just wonder how long it's going to take. Right. Yeah, and and to make this very clear, I think we both like Powell as a as a player in in the right role. Uh, Moves he's the ball certainly well, gone right? from. Yeah. He's gone from a di- dynamic role man to a high effort role man. He's a little better statistically than I expected. Would you care to guess which percentile he falls in as a role man this season? Um, it, no, I don't. I don't, I don't really <laughs> like guessing. So, seventy uh, third percentile. He is averaging one point two seven points per possession. Mm-hmm. Now he used to average like one point four. I think that's right. Maybe maybe role. Maybe these numbers are just artificially inflated and we'll kind of even out. But he used to be in the 90th percentile of the league, 92nd percentile, 93rd percentile. He was one of the best role men like, in the NBA, in the world, in existence. And it's not quite that anymore. Um, an Achilles injury will do that to you. He obviously still does a lot of good stuff. He does probably have a lot of those hustle, not probably, he has a bunch of those hustle plays that ultimately lead to good things, you know, your team scoring more points, even if it's not stuff that is always going to show up. 
you know, the, uh, the, the, you know, like the, all those, all those plays that, you know, the, the cliche of the white point guard, who's, you know, not athletic, you know, those type plays, except that, you know, they just got typecast to white point guards for some reason. Um, you know, that, that is like what pal does and those players are valuable in the right subset. But, you know, it's very clear that from a spacing perspective, him and Chris Tubbs get in their way, get in each other's ways too often. And more damningly, they get in Luca's way when he's just trying to run a pick and roll or he's trying to take advantage of a, of a post mismatch. That's solvable to a degree. But I think the reason that it's been happening this often through 13 games is that just, you know, if Chris Tubbs is going to be anything other than only a spot up shooter, it's just bound to happen with those combo of players on the court. Well, I mean, when Chris Tubbs um, is playing at center, he is a he is a huge spot up shooter for them. He's shooting like forty six percent from three right. when he's the five, and all of those are catch and shoot threes. Right? Do you think uh, Do you think Dorian Finney Smith is is factoring into this at all? And just the idea that teams are abandoning him even with more and more um, aggression. I thought Josh Bow uh, of Mavs Moneyball made a really good point that. When the Mavericks looked good in the second half of Monday's game to beat Denver, Dorian Finney-Smith subbed out with eight minutes in the third quarter. And when he came back, he was the center in that no big man lineup. Right. And and, and that's he just, I think he played them. overall like seven minutes, eight minutes in the second half. Yeah. If he's the only non-shooter, that's good. But you're right. Like, uh, Porzingis and Dorian Finney-Smith and non-shooter together. in relative terms. Right, right, right. Relative. He, uh, he, he hits some... He's hitting... He's a and he's shooter, someone who also ramps up. If you up, don't shoot high volume, he, you're not a shooter. I don't care how many shots you make. <laughs> if you shoot two or three threes a game, you're not a shooter. Uh, you're not respected. He always usually hits a groove later in the season, too. He he, yeah. he always starts like sure. 30-ish percent for the first two seasons and then... Or sorry, for the first two months. And then the rest of the months, he hits 40. And yeah. even if I he's not being guarded closely... Yeah, like I yeah, mean, he's yeah, not a good enough shooter that you have to guard him, and especially if Porzingis is on the court because Porzingis is actually right. a threat. And so, yeah, right. they're going to abandon that guy. And, and you know, if you, I mean, if you look at the lineup data again, we're very early in the season, so a lot of this is noisy. But when they have Porzingis out there and with other guys who can shoot, it looks pretty good. And, and of course, it does because having more guys that can shoot makes sense. And, and Porzingis at the five. Stretches the floor so much better for the Mavs. But now we're just talking in circles. I think everybody knows what the best version of the Mavericks winds up looking like. It's just which combination of players join Tim Hardaway, Luka, and Porzingis in closing lineups. I think right now you have to say Jalen Brunson is for sure out there. We all know who the fifth starter is. Uh, you know, it's Moses Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I just it, this is a team that that has kind of been like one guy short for a little while, and, and you know, I'm not sure if Reggie Bullock is going to be that guy by the end of the season. Right, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith might be that guy by the end of the season. Like you said, he he does have a tendency to come around as a shooter. Last year was much more aggressive in the second half of the season, attempting shots, which is which is half the battle in this. So, you right. know, I don't think anything is, you know irreversibly broken for them. I think we envisioned it before the season as Bullock. And I still think as, you know, as you go smaller in the postseason, once, once they finally get all the way there, that's, that's more what they're looking for, or that's what they should be looking for. And as, you know, as, as skillful as Finney Smith is in ways that are not traditional, his offensive rebounding is valuable. 
Uh, he's improved his ability to make reads uh, off, you know, one dribble. But I just think someone who can actually score, who is Bullock, um, just overall is going to make more of an impact on the court. The defense. Can they right. defend at a high enough level when it matters? And I think we what we've seen out of this team, they've they've certainly have a another gear defensively, similar to last few seasons. Luca in particular, when he decides to ratchet up the defense, shows a lot. But it's gonna be you know, can Porzingis continue to look as good as he has the last few games? He's moving really well. I love I mean, some of his leakouts against the Nuggets were, were fantastic. I mean, it's just high IQ chances there, right? So it's all very obvious, I think, when you look at the pieces that they have and the pieces that they don't have, that their best option moving forward is for some internal improvement. You know, they need Reggie Bullock to, like, really light it up. Or Dorian Finney-Smith to turn it around. But right, they're, I mean, winning, people, people, winning games that you shouldn't it helps you. A lot. And I know that sounds so funny to say, but they are banking wins right now. And I think that they're going to be a better team in a month. Yeah. And it's funny. They're they're winning games they shouldn't by winning games they should. Like, you shouldn't have this many very narrow margin wins against teams. But the fact that they've all come against bad teams they should beat... I guess it kind of evens out. It's 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 a weird like I know exactly what you mean when you say that they're winning games they shouldn't, even though every game that they've won they should have won. Even Denver, they should have beat Denver. Denver was on the fourth game and in, in fifth in five nights. No, Michael Porter Jr. Right, they're missing two starters. Yeah, Bart. Yeah, Barton's out too, and I mean obviously Murray, but you yeah, know, they they're they're a, they were a nine and four team coming into this without Murray and won't have them for months. So like that's that's not even that's not even part of the equation. They're missing two starters. Like that's that's. You know, Barton and, and and Porter make, you know that that's that's a lot more influence to me. Um, yeah, I think we're about I think we're about done here. Yeah, I, look, I I think go read Tim's piece for sure because he he really yeah. does lay out the case there that the one big I mean it just makes sense and, and the numbers back it up the eye test backs it up I, I think that right you know when you look at what the Mavericks do best. Spacing the floor out, getting out in transition. I mean, you know that the big run that they went on, it was it was Tim Hardaway a lot in transition, and uh, I think that when this he's team a good transition came, player, he's fantastic. I mean, Tim Hardaway is just a very good player anyway. Uh, period. Yeah. But yeah, he is he is dynamite in transition, and Brunson, you know, looking up the court for him a lot. I, I just think that they're they're moving in the right direction, especially with the the greater. Emphasis on getting Porzingis to those minutes at the five. It's just Here, Dave, can it, last question. Yeah. Okay. Did you uh do you like their study jerseys? Let me look. That's a long things. pause. Let me look at these things because okay. I have to like I don't really pay attention to jerseys. Right? I you when should. I'm I, I also don't hear commentators when I'm That's watching true. games. Like I, I just um I don't know, man. I kind of lock in on what's happening. Uh, you like mixtapes? What is that? Do you like mixtapes? I don't know. I don't really like stuff. <laughs> if I'm being if I'm being honest, I don't really like get into stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Some good yeah, no, that's weird. But yeah, it's just not anyway. My, this is all a very. <laughs> this is a very oh, all wait, long. These are like um, the throwbacks. Yes, yes. I, yeah. I like these. Well, I look. 
the city edition or whatever. Okay, yes, this looks like the the 80s Mavericks jerseys, the early 90s. Jamal Mashburn would look right at home in this jersey. And so, yeah, I actually do like these. I'm not uh, a person that would uh, want to own one, but I'd have a T-shirt, a jersey. This was maybe. a unco- like a complicatedly long lead up <laughs> because this is just how my brain works because I think it, I thought it might be funny. Uh, to say you can also read a story about uh, the city jerseys and maybe more specifically the video that Mike Marshall and team on the creative staff did. That's also on the athletic right now. So it was a cool, it was a cool feature to put together and the video they put together with big tuck and uh, doc and the, the DOC and mm-hmm. uh, Bobby sessions. Uh, they put a video together with those three dudes and it was, it was, it was super cool. So that's also a plug of a thing that you can go read on theathletic.com for a promo code. You can do theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven. And on that note, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. That's a wrap.